Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas and the surrounding areas, people, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is one of the most beautiful places on the earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host, Dennis Simpson, as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at KVRE.com. We're joined today by Barton Langford. Bart has a degree in forestry. He's got 50 years plus experience in trees. He is semi-retired and he is a resident tree expert living inside Hot Springs Village. We welcome Bart to the show. This meeting is being recorded. It sure is. Hey, <laughs> I hadn't heard that before. I haven't either. Was that on Bart's end? Yeah, it's on Bart's end. Oh, no really? It's on Bart's okay. end. Well, it, yeah, it lets you know that we're recording, but well, I've not heard it come through the speakers like that. Before. Yeah, I have. I've never heard that before. I'm going to leave that in. I'm going to leave that in. Of course, we're that, recording. Of course, we're recording. Yeah, who knows? Otherwise, it everybody would be live. knows. Everybody knows we're recording. This is not yeah. live. We're with Bart Langford today, who you've already know about. Man, where to start with Bart? I tell you what, Bart. Well, do they know gonna, about him? I just, uh, I just now know about him. Well, so I, I, I wouldn't have known about him. You know, we, you're we assuming everybody knows about him. That's I'm the whole reason for having I, him on here. I thought you would have done that in the pre-roll, Randy. I thought yeah. you would have done that in the pre-roll. Well, I, well, I don't know. I mean, well, depends. Too much, too much to put in a pre-roll. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I met, I met Bart at the uh, Forestry and Common Properties Committee when we were meeting with Todd Knowles. And I was thoroughly impressed, thoroughly impressed. Now, as a guy who owns a couple of acres in the village, I was thinking now, maybe I've got property that we would look at. And I'd drag, uh, ask Bart to go around and, and look at some properties that Jeff and I have and that Diane and I have. And I was just telling Randy seconds ago, literally, that was the most interesting walk I've ever had in the woods in my life because I saw the woods in a different way. Bart, have you looked at woods for a couple of years? Just a few. Just a couple uh, this year will be 50. This is my 50th year uh, after getting educated to look at them. I lived in the woods all my life, which is 70 plus years. But as far as looking at them with that eye that you're talking about, yeah, uh, you, you learned that. Uh, part of forestry is science. Part of forestry is, is not science. It, it's a feel or feeling. There are things you look at in, in one situation, you would cut this tree. If he's in another situation, you would not. Uh, so, so some of it is an art. So let me get this straight. You've seen millions of trees and no two alike so far. Oh yes, that's correct. Well, no I can't if they wait look to, alike to most people. They do look alike to most people. And I understand that, but they aren't. Well, I have a million questions for you. And I really want to share with our audience part, some of your knowledge, if we can, as best I can help translate it um so for the average homeowner in the village and and by the way you do live in the village we'll get to your story yes. here in a minute i want to hear the rest of that story but for the average homeowner that has a home lot in the village it's a third acre half acre maybe three quarters of an acre at the largest what do they need to know about their trees what, what what's what's the number one thing, thing that they need to know the number one concern i would i would put it is the health of the tree well, I mean, whether it's 
where it's it's in danger and, and perhaps it's in danger of falling on their house or their fence or whatever but whether the tree is actually in danger whether it's a healthy tree or not that would be you, you my number one concern I, I told, uh, and I, I mentioned earlier, this was the healthy, the, the best conversation I'd ever had walking through a forest before. I realized, and it sounds as naive as it can be, but I re- realized we were walking through a thicket of pine, tre- pine trees and way up in the tops, the tops were really thin. And you said, those trees are starving out. They're going to die. And I'm like, well, right. but they're tall, thin trees. They look like they're doing great. They're growing wonderful. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell the audience what you told me, if you would. Well, uh, a healthy tree, a quote-unquote healthy tree, will have approximately one-third of it, 30% uh, of the length in crown or leaves or needles, being a pine tree. And most of the trees we were looking at had 10 to 15% of the length in crown. And you have to realize that that's where they make their food. So (laughs) that's one of the reasons they start growing slower as they get older. They don't have as much food. If you don't have enough food to eat, you will grow a little slower. Now, <laughs> that may be my deal. Maybe I need less food and I don't need to grow as fast. That's what I'm it, trying to do myself. But, but that, that's, the, that's the key. That's the key to it. And you do have to realize, you know, hardwood trees, they only, they only have food uh, uh, and produce food a, a shorter time than pines. Pines, doesn't, they don't produce much food in the winter, but maybe a little. Because they do have their leaves or needles. That's a pine tree's leaves or needles. They're called needles. Uh, they have them all year long. Now, uh, hardwood trees don't. You know, people love the beauty of hardwood trees. And I have a beautiful white oak about 30 feet from where I'm sitting that I just love. But, uh, and he has uh, about half of his length in crown. He's a healthy tree, 16 inches in diameter. Uh, I don't worry about that tree falling on my house or nothing like that. Uh, okay, well, well let's there come are, back. There are, there are pines 40 feet on common property that uh, I'm really need to get Todd over here and look at that I worry about because they have the lean that you were speaking of and the roots are a little bit uh, pulling out of the ground. We do have one thing in the village that people might want, like to know that our short-leaf trees, short-leaf pine trees, is what we have for the most part. They do have a tap root, which makes them more stable and less prone to, uh, to wind uh, blowing them down and no it still happens but but the tap root has to be broken a loblolly tree for instance that you find more in the southern part of the state they have branching roots instead of a tap root like a, now do the branching roots when that ground gets wet is it easy to tip over or high yes it is. knock it over yes it is okay so and i know this sounds stupid but i'm, I'm being super remedial for me mm. and everybody else so it doesn't matter how much bark's on the tree and it doesn't matter how tall the tree is. It only gets food and it can only grow for the crown or the needles or the, that's where all that's the oxygen, the food, the everything comes from. That's correct. The food comes out of the ground, goes up through the capillaries between the, the bark, goes up through the, it's called inner bark, between mm-hmm. the actual wood and the bark. And it goes up there to the crown <clears> and it uh, takes, takes the food out. And, and then in turn, it grows and that produces oxygen. So no, no. a lot of our trees aren't producing as much oxygen as a smaller tree would be producing. A younger tree would be a better way to put it rather than right. smaller. Right. But so they're effectively, they're starving out. They're, yes. They're, uh, a tree is, is a living thing. All living things die. Well, I was going to say, so how old, uh, in, over in Cambrai, just north, 
central of me, just a little over by Cortez. I've seen trees and you talk about, so how do we, you said a 16 inch tree, 16 mm -hmm. at the base, 16, 50 no. feet up. What, what does that mean? 16 inch. Uh, uh, when you speak about diameters of trees that they're measured at what was called diameter breast height, which is four and a half feet from the normal ground line. You say normal ground line because we live on a mountain over here, but still the average ground line that you measure up four and a half feet and then you measure the diameter, not the circumference, but the diameter of the tree. And that's a 16 inch tree. Some of our trees here over there, uh, close to La Canada, where we, where we met and yeah, walked yeah, 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 yeah. On, on your track. Now, I, I met with an individual uh, since then over there, a logger that has cut some trees on that property, by the way. Oh, really? Before, huh? Yes. Yes. So I'm, I'm working. And, but uh, some of the trees over there, how old would you think they are? Okay. It's funny you should say that. And, and I want to give the audience a background here. When you and I were walking this seven acre mm -hmm. property on the far west end and it's a it's it's a it's been in the village as long as anything it's probably a 50 yes. acre it was near the it's near the oldest lake in the village okay mm -hmm. and you know i'm looking at this property and going okay that's a 30 year old tree and we're looking at these stumps and going is that a 10 year old stump because we could see some things had been cut mm -hmm. and right over from us there was you know there were trees basketball size i'm not going to go diameter yes. or whatever but there were there were hardwoods that were basketball size and i'm like you know, are those of any value? And what's that? And you were saying, well, you know, if you've got in South Arkansas, if you've got lots of moisture, those hardwoods just explode. And I'm thinking, right. okay, do I have lots of moisture here? Do I not? I mean, I, I, I'm guessing the pines over there are 30 and I'm guessing the hardwoods are that way too. Maybe eh? double your pines and you'll get close 60. Are you kidding? Maybe 75 or 80, the large ones, the large pine trees. And and for the for the listener, that, that tree is thirty-six inches in circumference. In yeah, uh well it's probably <clears> more like fifty inches in circumference. Really? It, uh this diameter is three point one four one six. Yeah, so it's uh, it's basically mother in law size is what I heard you say. Yeah, it's, no, I didn't say that. I don't have a mother in law size. <laughs> away, see? But uh not, uh not your mother in law. Not no no no, just just you know. <laughs> Hey, general, uh, take your average mother-in-law. That's that's where the, they are. The big, the big trees in the village were here whenever the village was created. And they were pretty good size then. Okay, well then, okay, you're saying and like, the life the life expectancy of a tree like that though these yeah, you, these you trees you're it, describing Randy, are seventy five to eighty years old. What what can, they yeah. can be a hundred. They can be a hundred, but what happens when they get so old? Meaning sixty to seventy. When they get to be the eighteen inches that we're talking about. And, and the crown gets so small, they're so, they get weak, just like a human that gets weak. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and, and uh, a, a blade of grass, uh, of cotton stalk. I mean, anything. You know, you know, uh, y'all yeah. probably haven't, but people chopped cotton for a hundred, two hundred years around in, in Arkansas and Texas and wherever. The reason they they chopped down perfectly good cotton, so the rest of the cotton could produce bows. Oh, it's the same thing with trees. Oh, well, now, so let's go back to the, the, and let's face it, it's Segovia, the Segovia area. Mm -hmm. So those trees are like 75 years old. Well, some of the ones over here on Cambrai must be close to a hundred because they're even a little Probably. bigger than that. Maybe they just, maybe they also just had better nutrients. They got better food, That's less right. competition, better, whatever. Better nutrients, uh, you know. Uh, so, so, but a, these trees, these trees that you're talking about that are so large and they are, they're monsters in my book. I mean, mm -hmm. 80 feet tall, 90 feet tall. Yes. 80. Okay. So, I mean, and there's a, 
literally a ton of timber in that in there i'm assuming or mm-hmm. more right several yeah. tons yeah several t- really okay mm-hmm. so so that tree alone and i'm looking we're looking when we you and i were there there's stumps beside it that were relatively that size so somebody came in harvested yes. that area made less competition so this big one we're looking at now is the beast it is today because somebody else cleared around it right Yes, a, and a given acre will only grow so much volume. I, I don't care if you're growing trees or you're growing grass or you're growing tomatoes. It will only grow so much volume. Now, you can have some shorter, fatter trees or you can have some longer, taller trees. You can have a, a fewer big trees or a lot more smaller trees, but it's a given acre will only produce enough nutrients to grow so much volume. And that's, that's it, period. Randy, I don't know about you, but I'm getting an education. You getting smarter? Yeah. And I, I want a real short tangent because I spent a large part of my life in Southern Louisiana. So these enormous, huge oak trees. Yes. That you see on some of, some of the plantations, you know, that, that still exist down there. And they talk about these trees, you know, that I mean, some of these trees were around in the, during the civil war. Right. Some of them are hundred years old. Yeah. I mean, educate me a little bit about that. And I know we don't have those there, but no, we, we got, a, we got the, a bunch of Southern Louisiana folks in the, in the village. I'm just yes. curious. We're talking the to you, Gary Mouton. So good. The soil is so great down there. We don't have the rocks. We have uh, plenty of moisture. The soil is easier for a tree's roots to grow. Think about that. If you're a tree growing roots, you're growing through soil without the rocks and, and things that we have, it's much easier to grow. It's much easier to go out farther and find uh, nutrients. I'll, I'll tell you a, a fact that, that is really difficult to believe. There is as much of a tree underground as it is above. Really? Volume-wise? I knew, I knew you wouldn't believe it. But yes, with roots, uh, that's how a tree feeds. Now, that's not, you know, it's not inch for inch and pound for pound, but that's a, that's a rough statement. This is actually true. Wow. And, and is you know, that so a, of any, of any kind of, any kind of species of tree? Yes, pretty, pretty much any kind. You, you think about that. That's why you see the sidewalks buckling, you yeah. know, around parks. Right. Uh, and, and if you have trees too close to your drive, that, that's what happens. There's a root there. And there are many, many more roots that, that aren't near the surface. Well, I think something telling is that when we see a tree that's tipped over here in the village and you can see the root ball, it'll have chunks of chert or slate stuck inside oh, yeah. those, that root ball, oh, because yeah. it's literally tried to grow around it. So your story about South Arkansas or South Arkansas, Louisiana. So, so, and, but Randy, to follow up on your point, how old's that tree in Louisiana going to be? I mean, civil war, come on. How, how much longer is it going to live? Yeah, but you can see these trees and I mean, they appear like they're flourishing just like they were. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they, if they have a good crown, they can live a long time. Trees can out, certainly outlive us, yeah. uh, but, but it, it, that doesn't mean they're healthy. Now those trees down there with the, the, it's a different environment, a lot different environment than we have here. Even in South Arkansas, it's quite a different environment. I mean, you, you, you see companies cut trees. You, you drive around outside of the village up Highway 7, and you see all these places where they've mowed them down and replanted. They, they didn't do that for exercise. They did that because those trees they planted are spaced properly. 
they're they're usually a good good species part, but their space property the the ground is prepared properly, and they're going to grow faster. So they're going to grow at eight percent, ten percent maybe, for when when they're younger. Now the trees they cut were probably growing at one or two percent. Now which would you rather have your land producing, eight percent, or land slash money producing eight or two? Well, uh, to me, that's an easy question. And they'll, and they'll the harvest it. They'll they, and they'll roughly harvest a tree after how many years? They will. They will thin it because it will get too thick, and the competition will slow down the growth. At about fifteen to seventeen years, they'll thin it, take out about a third of the trees. That sounds like a lot, but it, uh, and in five to seven more years, they will have just as much volume as they would have if they hadn't thinned it. Yeah. What do they do with that first cut? Is that, is that first cut pulpwood or what? It's pulpwood, yes. And probably most of the second cut will be pulpwood. But they will ha- you'll have larger trees worth more money. Uh, if, you, if you cut some, I mean, that, that sounds odd, but it's true. Mm. They'll, they'll, they'll increase their growth percentage. If you, if you bore a tree or, or take a, a, a hole, there's a, there's a steel borer, they call it. You can, you can screw it in the side of the tree and take out a little round... Uh, like a pencil, mm-hmm. but it shows all your growth rings. And and uh, if you did that on your property over there off of La Canada, you can probably see when they cut those trees, you can count the growth rings back, and you'll see an increase in growth in, in the, because the, the, the width of, between the growth rings will widen. I, I'm, I'm sitting here with my mouth open. I'm learning so fast. So, so do I want, I, I am not, and one thing I need to let you in, but I'm not a smart guy. Oh I'm no! Just, uh, I'm, just, yeah. I'm just old. I've just been doing this. Long. <laughs> well, do I want daylight to hit the ground? Is that the best uh, use of my daylight or not? What, what for as I, yes. if I'm growing well, a forest? If if when daylight hits the ground, you'll have uh, uh, different kinds of, of uh, vines, different kinds of vegetation, even small pine trees. See, when when pines uh, when the cones drop their little uh, whirly gig seeds in the fall. And, and they don't grow because they don't have enough sun. They're not dead. They're, they're, they're lying dormant. And, and once sun comes in, then they'll, they'll uh, sprout. They'll go into the ground, send, some, send a little root into the ground and start growing. Now, if you want a park-like setting, more shade is better. You know, I mean, park-like me and no little underbrush because underbrush will die without sunshine. And, and uh, I like that myself. I love the village. I like how the village looks. We're talking about, in a way, you're talking about two different things. The village hopefully will, will combine both things. One is, is a commercial doing it, doing it because of, of the same reasoning that these companies have to do it, okay? You know, you want to just, let's make the most growth we can and all this, and we have all these younger trees. Well, that's not necessarily a good thing in our village. But neither is sitting here and letting the trees die. We have, if you have a lot, you have to deal with individual trees on your property. Okay, if one gets sick, then you, you're, you're better off to take it. Uh, uh, I told my mother one time, we cut a, a pretty large tree on her place. And, and she said, gosh, that was a big tree. And I said, yes, but it was a junky tree. We'd rather have a little bitty two-inch tree growing in its place. This junky tree is always going to be junk. Now, if but another thing that people don't realize, 
they move over here and they see these big trees. Do you know what? That biggest tree that you own was once a little bitty feller about an inch tall. Think about that. And literally in these instances, you know, in our lifetime, well, I mean, and I, I'm so naive in so much of this and we we're surrounded by, it. we love our trees. And I, I find oh, it yeah. interesting. I find it interesting that you're from South Arkansas and you know, this area, but you love the village. I mean, you, there's a whole lot of places you could live in South Arkansas, my friend. Oh yeah. And we have a place in South Arkansas, about two hours from here, <laughs> a few hundred acres. And I go there and visit, but I live here. Well, and okay, so let me, and I'm going to give our, our, our five-mile-high view real quick, okay? Mm-hmm. South Arkansas, the, basically, you could divide Arkansas up into thirds, okay? Sure. From Little Rock to the west and north is the Ozarks, to, yes. to the north and the east is the Crawley's Ridge, to the southeast is, is the Delta, and, and right. kind of south of here is Delta-ish. It's not very hilly down there. And right. so there are billions of pine trees. There are billions of pine trees, Amen. and they grow well. But you know that line, like Interstate 40, from, from here to Fort Smith, okay? Mm-hmm. As soon as I go up Highway 7, traveling up Highway 7, beautiful scenic drive, love it, going through the National Forest. I get the other side of 40, and there are cedar trees everywhere. Where I know because my eyes start pouring and my nose starts running. Okay. But, but, but here there's a few cedars and they look like volunteers, but why, why, so there's pines in South Arkansas. There's very mixed here. And then there's a lot of cedar and, and, and oaks in the North uh, Northwest. Is that just ground type? What is that? Most of it is the, uh, you know, our, our, the Washita mountains, uh, and, and the Ozark, mountains are different mountains. They were formed differently. So they have a lot more rocks in the Ozarks. Even though we look, it looks like we have a lot of rocks in our washtaws, we still have a lot of dirt, a lot of soil. Uh, and and the, the Ozarks don't have that, that much soil. They're, they're heavier to rocks. So they don't have the, a different tree will grow up there. It's more suited for up there. So they will take over. Cedar trees will take over if, if, it's, if it's suited for them. So, so or, that, that's or cedar why, trees, blackjack oak, a different species like that. Shorter trees, you'll, you'll okay. notice they're shorter. But you gave a great example, like a blackjack oak. And if those of you don't know who, what a blackjack oak is, it is a rough, scraggly, usually yes. lichen-laden tree, and it looks like. Uh, t- help me here, Bart. What what would you say? Well, they'll have the big old fat leaves in the fall, and, and some of them will turn orange, and they're really pretty at times. Well, but, they are, but, but the, the branches is, the branches look well, like it's, a, a witch's hands. Yeah. It's gnarled looking, the, yeah. the tree is. Yeah, exactly. And the wood is extremely hard. If you want to dull your chainsaw, try to cut one down. <laughs> but our, And I'm assuming that grows really slow. But now cedars, for Very example. Slow. But cedars right beside them grow like weeds, like like pines, well, I guess. But then they slow down. Cedars slow down quickly, too. If you really? notice, they, they don't get that tall. You know, cedar cedar tree, 40, 50 feet tall, that's pretty tall cedar. Yeah, that, that, that's they, a lot they, of cedar. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of cedar. Randy, I'm sorry. I'm hogging the mic, buddy. What, what's yours? No, I, yeah. This this is probably, if this isn't the time for it, then, then that's fine. I like we asked, but. I'm curious, your, your love and your interest in trees goes back how far? Forever. Yeah. It's my forever. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know this because I don't have a remembrance of it, but my parents said by the time I was three, I would just leave the house and be gone for a few hours until they started calling me <laughs> to come home. And I, I have no idea. I guess 
it's because of that, but I can park on a 200 acre track of land that I've never been on and make a round out through it, looking at it uh, and, and walk out within 50 steps of my truck. I, I, I don't know how, but I can. I mean, <laughs> that's just uh, something yeah, I, yeah. I I was raised and my, my grandfather on my mother's side, he put out logs in the, in the uh, fall for different companies. And whenever, whenever I was growing up, I thought might, I might want to be a, a wildlife biologist. Well, because I like the outdoors, like to hunt and fish. And, and uh, but then I found out what those guys had to go through and they didn't get paid much. So I decided to become a forester since it was a school close to where I lived and I didn't realize what it took to become a forester. I probably never would have become one. I mean, uh, I learned a lot that I didn't know. I went to school in a very small place. Uh, 18 of us graduated in class. I was the only one in my class that even went to college. I think it's time to transition to that story, isn't it, Randy? Yeah, I do too. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, keep, keep and, going. And, Let, and, let's hear that part. And what, year, what, what year? Give us some time frame here, Bart. Well, I graduated high school in 1968. And uh, I, when I when I went to college, I mean, I had uh, I had used a chainsaw a lot, cutting pup wood, short wood, pup wood, and things like that. And really, what I wanted to do was was just go to work. But I, I all my life, I had told myself I was going to college, and that was it wasn't a question. I just was. So why I picked the school? Uh, you know, I don't know. M- my dad, and mother didn't. They. Uh, they didn't discourage me at all, but they didn't. Just oh, you, you need, wanted to do It though. wasn't this, it wasn't this, you son, you need to go to college. It wasn't that at all. Uh, when I graduated high school and my dad was the best man I've ever known, he stuck out his hand and, and shook my hand and said, good luck. I was 17. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's been a struggle ever since, hasn't it? And, uh, yes, it has, but. But uh, I went to college. I wound up, you know, in, in, in forestry school, you start out with trigonometry and, and uh, two, a year of chemistry and botany and zoology and physics. And then the courses get hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm out already. I actually made it through in four years. Uh, I wound up having hepatitis and being quarantined six weeks while I was there. But uh, I made it through school kind of like the ant eating an elephant, you know, one bite at a time. Uh, th- that's the way I went through. And what town was but this? I, what town? Monticello. No, but I mean, did you, what you said you, oh, you gra- graduated high school. Oh, I graduated high school at Kingsland, the birthplace of Johnny Cash birthplace. and Paul Bear Bryant. Before he moved to the big city, before JR moved uh, uptown. Yeah, uh, whenever whenever the caches moved to Dias, Arkansas, my grandfather moved them. Really? Yes, he moved. And by the way, just a, just a tangential note, and I know you know this part, but and Randy, I don't know if you do, but Dias, I Arkansas. I can tell you right now, I don't know well, what you're going to say, but I promise you, I don't know. <laughs> well, Dias, Arkansas, most people don't see, and and they've actually taken Johnny Cash's home place, mm-hmm. not where he was born, but his home place, and they've made it. <clears throat> excuse me, they've made it a museum but diaz was an experimental um uh farm where you got 40 acres and a mule and uh and and these were people who were destitutely poor uh i had some fam some of my family from oklahoma that came in with the diaz project and it was part of the roosevelt thing wasn't it bart 
I think so. You know, that was they were so poor that Johnny's dad, Mr. Ray Cash, told my grandfather whenever he left. And they, by the way, they had to hitch mules to his truck to get him going when after he unloaded their furniture. But the, Mr. Cash told my my grandfather said, you know, it was my mother's dad. Mr. Mitchell said, uh, I don't have any money to pay you, but as soon as we get a little ahead, I'll send you some money. I, I guess they just never did get ahead. <laughs> Here's the here's the deal. Now they may have never got a Johnny did okay, but <laughs> I used the, to see Johnny when I was growing up. I mean, he would come to Kingsland and nobody bothered him, anything like that. Well, and he, when he, he went to Memphis, everybody knew him as Jr. When he went through the military, yeah. he was Jr. Nobody who knew nobody knew who Johnny Cash was it was Jr. No. And and you know, I, I will go ahead and cut to the chase here. I don't want to chase this too far, but <clears throat> you know, we talk about. Uh, we talk about timber in Arkansas and, and I mean, it, mm -hmm. it, it, um, my dad's from, uh, Sheridan, Sheridan, which Sheridan. is, uh, yeah. Grant County. And the number yes, one I, industry in Grant County is timber is timber. Oh man. Yes, I mean, tons. And, and this is, so in South Arkansas, there's a lot of timber. Well, you say how you tying this to, to Jr. and to Johnny cash. Uh, Johnny Cash had an older brother who he believed was going to be a pastor. And he was the, the, mm -hmm. the, the gem of his father's eye. I mean, his daddy right. just thought the world of his older brother, his older brother fell saw, into yeah. a log saw yeah. and yeah. it was a horrible, gruesome event. And uh, you know, it, it was one of those scenarios where it couldn't have been much worse. And then uh, Jr's dad, Johnny's dad said, well, you know, if you'd been running that saw, that that's what it should have been. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it was that's tough back tough. then, needless to say. That's pretty tough on a kid. Yes. Yeah. Pretty tough. And he, he said that he had always struggled with that because it, you know, that was, and he just idolized his brother and that kind of, kind of tore did. the whole family yeah. up for a while. Anyway, I the, digress, but we're you know, back the, to Kingsland, the, Arkansas. Whenever they, moved to, uh, whenever they moved to Dice, the kids, Johnny and his brother and him sat in the cab with my grandfather and uh, their parents sat in the back with their furniture. Really? Yeah. But now, hey, let, let's go here. They had to From protect Kingsland. the really important stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a, if you if you go to Kingsland, there's a, a you know a guitar in kind of concrete and a little fenced-in area and signs and things saying birthplace of Johnny Cash. Right. Well, and, and but let's go back to it. From from Kingsland, Arkansas, to Diaz is the opposite end of the state, right? Yes, that's northeast Arkansas, up around close to Jonesboro somewhere. Okay. Diaz. <laughs> This was this a one day trip or was this a several day trip? I guess it was. I, you know, I, I guess it was. I was either a little bitty or not bitty, not even at the time. Uh, but about 150 uh, miles of hard gravel roads, what it sounds like. To yes. Me. Yes. And when they got there, it was mud. My grand my grandfather said when he got back home, he said he really hated to leave that that woman and those kids in that in that muddy mess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, what a fantastic story. I'm not, I'm not making this up. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I'm just wild. So you, so you leave high school and you go to Monticello. Okay, for those of us that aren't well, familiar, problem, how far uh, away are we talking? Uh, a short hour, about 50 minutes. The problem that I had when I when I got there, I didn't have a vehicle, but I borrowed our family truck uh, to go. When I pulled up in the parking lot, I had a little map that showed me my dorm that I was going to stay in. And I sat there for over half an hour deciding if I was going to actually get out of that truck and go in that dorm or go back home and pick up a chainsaw or go to work at the plywood plant. And why, and what were you thinking during that half hour? I knew what I could do. I, I was, 
I was raised out. I mean, Kingsland had a population of 180, and I didn't live in town. I mean, <laughs> we got up. <laughs> when, when I was growing up, a car would come by. We would stand up and look. Of course. Because then not many came by. Yeah. And you knew them. You know, you knew it was. Uh, we had the last telephone in our house for miles. So when someone passed away for the next 10 miles, they called us. And, uh, and ask you to drive down the road to see them or say something or what? Spread the word. Tell them, tell them their, their relative had passed away. My parents did that many times. But we, we so lived, you're sitting in the truck for 30 minutes and you're agonizing yes, over this. And what, sure and what? And what's the debate? The debate is to get educated or just go to work? Yes. Because I knew you like to go to work. And you like the chainsaw. So, I mean, you said you like working. I mean, I I remember before I went to college, I remember getting out of high school thinking, man, or in high school thinking, I cannot wait to get to work. This high school thing is wearing me out. Well, four years seemed like a long time. Yeah, I bet. And and in in, in the forestry school down there, you had to go four years plus one summer between your sophomore and junior. You had to graduate in forestry. You had a, uh, the minimum was 142 hours and you had no matter. That was just your major. Really? Yeah. A lot yes. of hours. 142 hours. And so, like I say, you had the sciences, you, you had all the sciences, and then you had the statistical analysis that he taught you without a book and, and things like that. So you've got a major time commitment. Are you worried about money at the time to afford all this? Uh, yes. Uh, so how are you, how, so you going to pay for all this? Well, I, I happened to be the valedictorian of my graduating class, so I and I scored good on ACT. So I got an academic scholarship from the school, and the W.P. Sturgis Foundation, who does a lot of good things still. Uh, Mr. Sturgis's uh, sister was my neighbor, lived <laughs> uh, from Kingsland, and I I, uh, I know with her help. But anyway, I wound up with a $500 a semester grant from the Sturgis Foundation. And back in 1968, that was a pile of money. And my parents would give me two or $300 a semester too, as long as I was in school. All right, so what prompted and you I, to get out of the truck? The future. I had enough sense, to thank the Lord. I had enough sense to know that, you know, sooner or later, I was really gonna be glad I got out of this truck. So I did. Well, we're certainly it glad you debate, got out of the though. truck. It was yeah. a debate. I promise you, it was a yeah. debate. Yeah. Really? And and what a what a what a wonderful wonderful story. But I'm I'm here sitting to myself thinking, you know, you're 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 wrestling it back and forth. Honestly, you're well. You know, I enjoy working. So it's yeah. it's today's pleasure versus four years of pain. But then I'll yeah. get something on the other side of that, right? But I worked all through college too, at whatever job I could find, from registering students to picking leaves out of a nursery, picking weeds out of a nursery to, you know, whatever. Uh, now, once you get to, nursery. so once you get to school, first semester, what are you thinking? Uh-oh. Uh, yes. No. <laughs> should have got, yes. got out of the truck. <laughs> uh, well, I, I was very fortunate. Uh, I wanted to, uh, uh, let's see, what was it? One physics, it was another, one college algebra, trigonometry. I went to the trigonometry class, and the teacher, there were uh, 22 kids in the class, and three of us were foresters, and the other were pre-med majors. And, uh, yes, true. 
a lot of pre-med majors went to smaller schools to get their first couple of years. The, the instructor said, I hope all of y'all had, had high school trig because I'm going to teach it like you did. Turn to chapter two. That was the first words out of that man's <laughs> mouth. And I had never heard of trig. Where's that truck? Where's that truck in that chainsaw? I had a, I, my roommate was a senior accounting major that had taken th things like that as electives. The first nine weeks, I made a C, barely. The second nine weeks, he helped me. I understood. I made a flat A. Really? Uh, but, you know, so he was brought into my life. So I, I, I saw that as a sign. That's awesome. And, Mainly you just, you just, I, and I saw all these other guys, there were several guys that had been in forestry for six years, uh, struggling, but they stayed with it. They weren't quitters. Why should I be? Okay. Okay. Now, what so, did you want to do? What did you, so you, what do you think post-college is going to look like at that point? Well, post-college, I thought I was going to ride around in a yellow truck, which that's what called the Georgia Pacific, which was a local timber company there. Right. They're, they're foresters. I thought I'd ride around the truck and look at trees. And, but boy, was I wrong. <laughs> because <laughs> well, as I, as I got ready to graduate, there was this new field really opening up called procurement which is timber buying in uh, colloquial terms. And uh, the, the head of the department, he said, he told me, he said, Langford, you need to get into this procurement field. And, and there's a job over in Mississippi. You need to go apply for it. And uh, uh, I did, and I got it. And I was the highest paid graduate ever by over a hundred and something dollars a month. That at the time, of course, not now, but at the time, I was the highest paid graduate ever that the school had. And now, what so, do mom and dad think? Well, oh, they thought I was moving too far from home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that uh, was going to go to your head and all that. No, uh, I, I didn't know what I was going to do with all that money. Just did, but I, oh, I found out. <laughs> what, what, you figured it out, didn't you? you figured it. Out. Well, tell me what procurement is. Like this, so uh, what, what? What's procurement? Tell me how that worked. Procurement is buying. I mean, it doesn't <clears> matter if you're buying trees, but it's competitive buying. You have all these foresters, these other foresters, this morning buy these tracts of land. Back then, before the companies had all this excessive wood like they have now, uh, you would find four or five people trying to bid on every tract of trees that came up for sale, and you had to. You had to beat them, but you had to make money. If you didn't make money, you wouldn't be buying long. Somebody else would. And I would, I was so nervous and I was still had that small town mentality. The, the, the shy, I mean, I'm one of the most shy people you've ever heard. I know it doesn't sound like it now, but I would actually throw up going to people, going to see people and knock on people's doors that I hadn't met, but that was my job. So I did it anyway. And then I met so many wonderful, good people doing this. So I mean, it's, a, it's a, lot of, a lot of great people in the world. And I met my share of them because of, of the, the tract that my life did take. Now, Bart, I, I, I've not said this to anybody else. We've interviewed a lot of people in the last 280 whatever days, Randy. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I've not said this yet. I've thought it, but I've not said this yet. But my friend, you have a book to write. And I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> well, I don't think we've even scratched the surface. We, we hadn't got to the good years yet. So 
Randy, how do we, how do we go from here? You, you asked the next in, uh, employment question. I don't know. I want, I want to know. So describe, so describe the family to me, Bart. So your current, your current, your current, your current family, uh, give yes, me some my sense. Wife I, my wife and I live in the village. She's from Texas, Canada. We met at the church at Rock Creek over in little, little rock, uh, about 12 years ago. And we've been married almost nine years now and be 10 next year. So we're, we're, uh, enjoy the same things. We, we both, we have a kind of a blended family. We never get them all together, but, but, uh, as a matter of fact, yesterday, my oldest little granddaughter had a baby boy. So I have a great grandson called miles and, uh, everybody's doing great and everything's good. So we were, we were living South of Little Rock in Saline County and, uh, I have a son-in-law that's a physical therapist in the village and a daughter that works in the village some or did as a physical therapist. And they told us that we need y'all dad, y'all need to be in the village. You need to be in the village. So, uh, we, they brought us over here and carried us around and we liked what little we saw. When so was that? Started, what year was that? Oh gosh, That's been six, seven years ago. Okay. Be- because this is our fourth year here. And we looked for two years before we came. We would come to carport sales and uh, estate sales and spend the rest, most of the day, going looking at houses. And, and it was more to see where we wanted uh, than a particular house. It wasn't that. And then we had one to sell. So we put it on the market. And, and when it sold, we, we came. And haven't regretted it at all. She still worked for Baptist at the time and she drove back and forth for a year, but now. So the blended family looks like, so you've got how many, how many adult kids are we talking? Okay. Six children, three of three each. They're scattered out from Houston, Texas to Dallas, Texas to one actually lives in the village. And how many grandkids? Oh gosh, about a dozen. (laughs) Yeah. And now one great grandkid. Child, no, no, we have two greats. Okay. Oh, so Miles, Miles has got a competitor. Her her youngest, her youngest son has a daughter. Uh, They live just this side of Dallas. She's going out there another week or two for spend week with them. Listen, I I ask all this. I ask all this because before we hit record, you were sharing with us some of your medical challenges, and I had shared that you know my dad is ninety eight and whatnot, and. I'm in no way implying we're all circling the drain. It's all sure. right. So these are great forums. Dennis and I have been challenged and we challenged ourselves early on to start talking to some of these older heads. You know, the village is 50 plus years sure. old now. And to talk to some of these people and there's an awful lot of people that can't talk to, they're not, they're not here right. anymore. You know? So when I ask about your family, you know, your story is so compelling and, and you're such a terrific, uh, kind of a personality. Yeah. For, for their sake and for villagers sake. Yeah. We, we may need to do a deeper dive into, into Mr. Bart at some point. My, my mother was a genealogist. Really? So she helped, she helped write and co-write several books and, uh, even assisted with a movie production here, just West of here that Billy Bob Thornton had. She was, she assisted in the, in, in that movie, not in the movie per se, but in the gathering of information and the history and all of the, 
uh, of the movie, but she was a genealogist and it, it kind of, uh, so it stuck with me. Some of the things like that, mm-hmm. you know, things you would think of that not everyone would think of because she did it. She did it for so long working for people and helping them out with their genealogical research. Well, true story. I started, not that the audience cares, but I'm going to share it anyway. I started podcasting over 20 years ago and that was exactly why I was thinking about grandfather, great grandfathers. Yes. And I thought, you know, if they would have had the technology, how cool would it be to click play and listen to my great grandfathers? Yes. Yes, Okay. But they didn't have the technology and I'm sitting here thinking, you know, we've got the, I got the technology. I was in my forties. I'm 60. I'll be 65 this year. And okay. I, I was in my early forties. My kids were in high school and I thought, man, I need, I need to just start recording some stuff. And I've sat down with my dad to record some stuff. So that's you're, really you're, good. You're nowhere, you're nowhere near, you're nowhere near that age, but somebody with the kind of stories that you've got. Yeah. I'm, I'm well, glad my, we're my, uh, my daughter gave me, have you ever heard of story worth? I have. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter gave me a story worth a year ago and, and uh, I, I filled it out every week, just every, like I was supposed to. So Good. we're supposed to have a book coming out like that. You know, you're, you're, yeah. you're given a question and then you give your views and why you did yeah. this in your life and all that. Well, good. I've seen the book and it was just one week at a time. Right. But uh, I have no idea what it's going to look like. It, it was her daughter that had the baby. And she's my okay. oldest, my oldest, you know, you know, what's worse than, worse than turning 50, don't you? Having your oldest child turn 50. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to say not turning 50. <laughs> well, I'm, he- I'm, he- I'm, he- I'm headed there. My oldest will turn 42 this year. So I'm quickly, quickly getting there. I didn't mean to hijack. Well, I did mean to hijack the conversation because I just did it. And I'm not going to apologize for it. So Dennis, well, if what's people on- in the village, you know, we have a, the, the problem we have here in the village is, is a multitude of ownerships. So these little bitty small tracks, they're not conducive to loggers. Nobody, it costs just as much to move on one acre as it does 100 acres or to move off. And so you're limited that way. And a lot of people just simply don't like to see trees cut, mainly because they don't realize the need. Uh, But, you know, for instance, fire, a control burn between our roads would help the looks. You were talking about the looks while ago, uh, Dennis, and uh, it would help the looks immensely because a fire would clean off the duff, the under, not necessarily underbrush, but the leaves and the twigs, and a beautiful little stand of grasses would come up, uh, and it would look so pretty. But the smoke is, is a bad thing in the village. We have too many people with breathing problems. And besides that, I may want mine burned, but you might not want the fire on yours. And we're side by side. So it, it becomes kind of economically impossible, uh, you might well, say. Let, let, let's address that real quick, because one of the places, and, and you know, Bart, I know you too. I, I, you and I and Jeff are some of the people that I know have been deep all over this village in, a, in, in hundreds of locations. There are places in the village where the leaf litter, and I'm not exaggerating, is knee high. Yes, and it's very dangerous. It varies very dangerous, and it will burn for days and weeks and months. Yep. I mean, if if we did have a fire there, if we did even an intentional fire, that stuff that, I mean, it would smolder for weeks. Am I wrong? It would. It would. And we have the road system, but I, I don't know how it can be accomplished, but I really wish it could be. Even in limited mounts, if you have a, a strip of, of high litter like you're talking about and, and you can burn that, then you're creating a buffer between two other strips of high litter. 
the, if one of them catches fire, it won't continue on. You follow me? Yeah. Uh, then yeah. even if we couldn't burn everywhere, if we could burn some places, it would it would aid the health of our forest, even the looks of the forest. Even though it would look kind of bad for you know, uh, we're not growing tomatoes. We're not a three month crop. We're 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 a, a, a ninety year crop. So when when you know when you uh, bush hog the field and till up the ground, it doesn't look that pretty either. Yeah, but it well, eventually does when you eat the tomatoes. <laughs> well, let, let's go into okay. So so you're on the forestry committee and the common property committee. Just give yeah. us a high overview. And by the way, uh, Randy, I think okay. you've you've made this. We, we need to wrap up here in just a minute, but I want to do a lightning round. And then I want to come back and just do a, a Bart show. Can we do that? Just do a, a, a live story. Want to, we want, want to mention one thing. One thing about the of the committee is is we are looking at the forest in the village. We're we're taking all these things into consideration, in, in a, including people's feelings. But we have some sick forests. If if you'll look up as you drive around, you'll see uh, brown tops. Those are dead trees. If you look down, you'll see trees lying on the forest floor. Those are dead trees. There's no need in letting trees die if we can salvage some of them and make our forest healthier around us. That's all we're, what we're, when we do things or, or, or make decisions, we're doing it for the health of the forest, for the health of Hot Springs Village, for the health of everybody here. You're going to get more oxygen in the air. You're going to feel better. It's just a good thing. Uh, we're, we're so, not Bart, I'm a all the trees. So Bart, I'm a, I'm a lot, I'm a lot owner. Thanks to Dennis Simpson and, and, a mm -hmm. and a decent sized check. Uh, mm -hmm. don't have plans to build immediately, but a right. lot of trees and you know what a builder is going to do. They're going to come in. Okay. Well, the house needs right. to go here. So we need to take these trees out. Right. It doesn't have anything to do with the health of the trees or anything else. It's, and I, sure. I get, I understand the practicality of that but we get all kinds of people who want to talk. They want us to have home builders on and talk about that, but let's start before we even get to that. So of all the trees that are on my lot, where, where do you even, where do you even begin? Because a builder could come in and take out maybe the, the very trees that you would want to keep. And I get that there's cost of construction and all that, but just from a tree perspective, yes. what's, what's the best you, course you of action? You look for if you can if you if you have enough trees to actually sell them, which takes quite a few, you know, at least a load or two for a, a, the little small logger that I've found in in the village. But if you don't, at least identify the trees, maybe the the tens and twelves and fourteen inches in diameter, uh, preferably hardwood trees that you have on your lot around the edges, because the house is more than likely going into the middle. Thereabouts, and you don't know what kind of configuration you're going to have driveway. If you can, the best case scenario would figure out your house before you cut your trees. That's the ideal. You know the the where your where your driveway is going coming because where the house is, where the driveway is coming, where the yard and, and your septic and blah blah blah, the trees aren't going to exist. They're going to be hauled off, burned right. up, something. So better to but then you don't want to be left with the trees that you've got being the least healthy trees that you had on your lot. No. And and that's where I was going to look at your trees and, and you, it's hard for people to understand this, but plan your house a little bit around your trees. But if you look, most lots will have some good trees, what I call good tree, healthy trees. And they can be even eight inches, 10 inches, as long as they're healthy looking, have a nice crown. 
that's one of the one of the main aspects of of a healthy tree is the crown and and well, how it looks and how healthy it looks how many leaves it has things like that and and bart just to, to throw something out and this is very elementary very elementary but i it, it's where i live uh, <clears throat> when you see that a, a road has been plowed or or there's been something opened up the the trees that are inside the lot are obviously yeah. mature and, and going okay. And the, the ones that have newfound, like, like in the ditches, man, they're racing off because they've just found some daylight, right? I mean, that's yes. what's going and, on, right? And they're young. And they're young. And, and so my point is, to, to your point, envision, Randy, that, that you know where your house is going to be. Okay, well, the, the trees around that are going to get a, a spurt of daylight. Oh, the whole, yeah, the, whole, the whole ditch and the whole ditch in front of in front of our lot is mm-hmm. filled with, you know, pine trees, yay tall, sure. yay tall. Yeah. It's like, you know, one of the first things my wife said is, well, we need to do something with those, <laughs> not get rid of them. Like we need to, they need to be somewhere where they can thrive. So you can, you can trim them, but if they're too thick, if they're too thick, yeah. keep that in mind right. and you can take right. sure some of them are going to die. Yeah. Yeah. You can either cut a few of them and have some really nice ones, or you can let them sit there and shrivel up. So, and, and let me, because everything has an inner balance, everything has a cost and a, and a relativity here right. from what I'm hearing you say and what we've talked about, but for example, and, and hypothetically, and I know we can't do it, but if we were to Cambrai and, and the area Northwest of Cortez out to the village mm-hmm. edge, Cambrai, um, um, Mampasillo, uh, uh, the Southern couple other subdivisions there, if we were to burn that off, if we were to yes. hypothetically, and we can't, but if we did, we're going to get a lot of green grasses in there. Yes. And the very first thing that somebody's not going to realize is we're going to have a huge stand of deer. Yes. Because and, they're going and, to love those grasses. And butterflies and turkeys and grasshoppers because turkeys love to eat little insects. Uh, it's not just the deer. Uh, the deer might not eat the insects, but they eat the things that, uh, you know, the, the turkeys will eat the things that come to the grass, like the small insects. Turkeys love burns. People, a lot of people love to see turkeys. We don't even hunt them in the village. Yeah, they very seldom run over anybody. Oh my lord! And no, no, that the, the turkeys. Oh my god! The, you know, I go through the national forest. I come within five hundred yards of a turkey. The whole herd's gone. Yeah. I come up, uh, come over to uh, the Lake Lago and drive around. Yes. The, the Drake just looks at me like, "What are you doing? What are you looking at? What are you looking mm-hmm. at?" And all the hens are like, "Why is he here? Can't he go on?" I mean, yeah. they are. They are. Fearless. Oh yeah, you're right. They very are. They are. They're tame. I hear tell they're tasty too, but I hadn't tried that yet. I don't know about them. I, I, I enjoy a good turkey, but I'm I'm not uh, I'm not ran over any in the village. <laughs> they're not jumping in front of your car, right? No, not yet. They have okay. before and other people's, but not. Bart and, and and Randy, I think you'll concur. I, we have proven in this rambling conversation that we have to come back and pursue the life of Bart. Is that fair, Randy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's no I, question. I there's don't no know question. if it's worth pursuing. Y'all oh. left me. No, it's worth pursuing. <laughs> it's, it's, here we are. It's we're going to have a lightning round, but right now right. we're leaving you in the piney woods of Mississippi as a procurement guy. But we're coming back to get you. Okay. Yeah, we'll come back. <laughs> we'll come back and finish the story. Okay. So this is really quick and easy, Bart. These are, these, this is, we call it our lightning round. Lightning round. Hiking, hunting, or fishing? Fishing. Hamburgers, tacos, or pizza? Hamburger. Favorite day of the week? All of them. Sunday. 
favorite city in the U.S. besides the one that you live in? Oh, my goodness. Favorite city in the U.S. Golly. I don't really have one. You asked me a favorite part part of the country, and I'm okay. Okay. I, well, I'd much rather be out in the okay. woods than I have well, favorite, in a city. Favorite part of the country, then? Uh, on a riverbank. Any particular river? Saline. I grew up next to the Saline River. That's where I went on Mother's Day after my mother passed away. I went to the Saline River and sat in a chair uh, on the bank and uh, fished. I didn't keep any fish. I just fished. What's the longest time that you ever you, that you spent in the woods? And I don't mean camping. I mean just going to look around and ponder and contemplate. And... Yes, ten hours. Man after my own heart. Um, favorite band or musician? Oh, oh, there's so many, but my, my favorite are the older country, like Johnny Cash, like Elvis. I really enjoy Elvis, Johnny Cash, uh, Waylon Jennings, you know, like that. Chris Christopherson. I'm right there with you. I have to say Johnny because he's from Kingsland. We both. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Favorite holiday. Uh, Christmas. First job. Oh, first job was trimming trees with an ax that, that someone had cut down with a chainsaw, and I trimmed the, the limbs off of them so they could sell them. With an you axe. play a musical instrument? Yes, a guitar. How long have you played? Uh, since I was about six. Okay, on a scale, one, scale of one to ten with, ten, with ten being I'm Chet Atkins and one being I'm terrible, where are you? Oh, five. That's not bad. Not I bad. Not when, not when not when Chet's a ten. That ain't bad. Yeah. When we have a when we have a family reunion, which we until COVID we had every year since 1974, until COVID, uh, I was the entertainment. My my family liked to sing. My had a couple of aunts and uncles that used to sing on the radio, and uh, uh, so uh, but I I'm the only one that plays a guitar. My grandmother taught me uh, to play the guitar. And Do you sing I, too? We, we will play two to two to three hours until my fingers bleed. Yes, I sing too. Not very well, but I sing. Country, country and gospel kind of stuff. I would uh, suspect country, country and old time gospel. I knew it. First concert that you ever went to? Uh, yeah, it, Johnny Paycheck. Paycheck. <laughs> There you go. Favorite sports well, I team. Several. Uh, yeah. One of the, the best. The best one was was Jerry Reed. Believe it or not. Uh, best oh, I believe concert. it. Favorite sports team would probably. Uh, you talking about professional or? Doesn't matter. Uh, Arkansas Razorback basketball. Oh well, you're fixing to get into your element then with March Madness. Yes, I I, uh, I played basketball a long time ago. Well, excellent. In college or high school? Uh, I had a college offer and two walk-on offers in college, but I knew that it was time for me to quit playing and start studying. Yeah, I started to say, man, with that trig class, you didn't have time for ball. <laughs> I really did. Then, really then the courses got hard. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hard. How many How many hours do you sleep at night? Oh, five or six. Yeah, there you go. Another man after my heart. Mm. What's your favorite article of clothing? Oh, a pair of shorts. You got a favorite quote? 
uh, just a, and not a real quote, just to, to be happy with where I am in life and what I have and not be worried about things. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Oh, it's been welcome. great. It's been great. Getting I had no idea it would last quite this long. I didn't know I had that much to say. <laughs> ah, well, Hey, Dennis vows that he's going to, he and his wife are going to revoke my introvert card. Cause I'm like you, I'm like you now. I'm not as bad. I wouldn't throw up before knocking on a door. I'm not that bad, but well, uh, at times I did more than throw up. <laughs> I got, I got, I got the other way too. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that bad, but I'm, I can appreciate it. I'm an introvert. I always well. want knocked on that door though. I mean, yeah. from, from, from April, from April to September, I didn't wear shoes when I was growing up, except for go to church on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I lived out in the country. We were country people. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. No joke. I love and it. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. I'm you should be. You should be. be. They I'm, pr- so far I'm back proud in of the- it for you. <laughs> they live so far back in the country. They didn't get Saturday night live till Monday morning. <laughs> Monday morning. That's right. The, oh, the, I the noise get it then. I remember when we didn't have a television. <laughs> right. Right. Oh well, God. Dennis, you got the sun, you got the sun beaming right in your face there. So, you know, if, if we make the interviews go long enough, this always happens. You yeah. Know? And, and anyway, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you say good night, Dennis. And yeah, we definitely need, we need, we need at least part two. We may need more, more than part two. <laughs> yeah. We may need part two. Well, for Hot Springs Village Inside Out, I'm Dennis Simpson. He's Bart Langford, who has been a delight. I, you know what? I knew when when I first met you, Bart, and we talked, I thought, this this guy needs to be on screen. We need to, to get him in front and share his story with other people. But I didn't even know it'd be this good. So until <laughs> next time, Hot Springs Probably Village Inside anyway. Out. No, no, no. It's been great. Talk to you all next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com, and tell a friend.